This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. The past few years have truly shone a spotlight on the importance of communication in the workplace. What are the new standards for defining good workplace communication? How can improving communication in the workplace impact inclusion, diversity, and level up your work culture? Heather Hansen, trainer, author, and global communication consultant at the Global Speech Academy, is joining me on the line today to discuss that and more. Sure. Thanks for having me, Christine. Yeah, I'm Heather Hansen. I am a communication specialist based in Singapore, and I started Global Speech Academy back in 2007 uh, here in Asia and have been running it for 15 years this month. So we specialize in communication consulting as well as training and coaching of top-level global leaders who are navigating this this cross-cultural communication with dispersed and international teams. Mm. I guess my first question is, because you've had so much experience in this field, how do you think the approach to workplace communication has shifted over the years? Oh, there's definitely been a shift in a number of ways. That's a really good question, because first of all, we've seen a shift in language ability. I see over the last 15 years, uh, recent grads who are coming out of school, their grasp and level of English is much higher than what I was seeing 15 years ago when I moved here. So in general, the level of language has improved, which makes uh, for fewer misunderstandings in the workplace. That's one. From a larger perspective, looking at how communication and in turn leadership has changed is we're seeing a much more, a much larger focus on empathy. So leadership has completely shifted now. Instead of it being a top-down approach and really strictly hierarchical, even in an Asian context, we're seeing a shift happening now where people are not interested in going to work simply to work. They they want to have connection. They want to feel relationships, community, uh, and they want to feel that they have a higher purpose. And the leadership has to come forward and communicate that vision and inspire their people. And so that, I think, is also a massive shift in the way that we're communicating with each other in the workplace. Mm. I think it's absolutely wild that being treated like a human being took this long to <laughs> cut across cultures, you know? It's so true. Yeah. So true. I mean, and now that we're going back to work after the pandemic as mm. well, it's like everyone's going, oh, what do I do? It's like, be human. Yeah. You know, do we really need to run training courses like this? Like, yeah. you know, it, it's based human crazy. connection, right? Yeah, like mm. be a good human. Be a good human. Support people, listen to them, be authentically curious in their lives. And and build relationships. I mean, this is what we've been doing since the beginning of time, the beginning of the human race. And yet somehow, the minute we walk into an office space, we throw it out the window, we put on our professional persona, and we forget that we're still all just people trying to reach a common goal. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're starting to finally realize, I think, now in the workplace. Absolutely. Uh, and my next question is to do with the nature of communication in the workplace. And I think there is a uh, misconception that communication in the workplace is just, uh, you know, the emails that you send or the Slack messages or, you know, that uh, talking to your coworker over the cubicle wall, you know, but I think it's a lot more than that. And I would love for you to sort of deep dive into how communication takes form in the workplace. I absolutely agree with you on that, Christine. Believe me, it is it underpins everything that we do. 
absolutely everything we do, from the way we create our strategy and communicate that strategy, the way we build relationships within the organization and externally with our clients and stakeholders, the way that we communicate is how we lead, it's how we do our work. And communication underpins every single aspect of that from HR to finance to whatever department you might be in. And I mean, of course, you're also a communication lover, so I'm sure that you would agree with me on this. But but truly, the way we communicate says a lot about who we are as individuals. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I also wanted to ask a question about language in terms of the professional veneer that we put on. Uh, you know, uh, there are plenty of things that I think when it comes to professional communication or workplace communication, we tend to have to use a certain uh, a certain vernacular. We have to there's this uh thing of how do I make this work friendly? Uh, For example, instead of just saying, hey, you forgot to respond to my email a week ago or, you know, whatever the case may be, you have to phrase it in sort of corporate speak of, uh, you know, may I know what the follow up is to my previous correspondence? (laughs) So I mean, what do you think about that? Is that something that is necessary? Is that something that is, uh, you know, relevant in this day and age as well? I think this is also part of that big shift um, that we are becoming more human in our work communication as well in the fact that right the way that you speak, you know, one of my very good friends um, who's also very well known in Malaysia, Shirley Taylor, who's written a lot on business writing and communication. She will say this over and over again in the courses that we run together saying, just write the way that you speak. Would you actually go up to someone and say, I'm sorry, but I have not received a response from last week's correspondence. (laughs) I mean, who talks like that? Mm -hmm. No one talks like that. Uh, And it's time to do away with a lot of that old fashioned uh, way that we would write the way our grandfathers wrote. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's time for us to come back to the modern day and and bring that our own personalities and that human essence into the way that we're interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. Because when what we're doing when we put on that professional persona is we're actually creating distance. That's what Mm. we're doing. We're we're creating a wall to say, we only have a professional relationship. We are not friends. We are not, um, we don't have any other connection other than the fact that I have to send you this email Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we have to find a solution. Um, And what, what we can do to break down a lot of those walls and create stronger connection in the workplace is by simply speaking and writing in the same tone, in that friendly, common tone where we can connect better with each other. Mm. I think there is also, however, an argument to be made for don't be too casual as well, right? There's got to be a balance. Uh, There have been some uh, articles lately about, uh, for example, young job seekers applying to jobs over WhatsApp and being (laughs) extremely casual in their approach to that to the point where it comes across as potentially um, disrespectful or rude, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. it's got to be I guess friendly but polite, I think, is the, the yes. tone you want we to We still hit. have business etiquette, right? Mm-hmm. We still have business etiquette. Mm-hmm. And there are certain ways of doing things. And as much as maybe younger generations want to push that and change that, and it is a constantly changing. I mean, maybe yeah. one day we will be doing job applications by WhatsApp. I don't think it's going to be that soon. But I know there's a big debate right now around cover letters mm. and whether or not cover letters are actually necessary. And a lot of Gen Z are saying, no, I'm not sending them. Um, and it started because so much of the application process is now automated. Yeah. So what's the point of having a cover letter? I just put all the information into your form and press send. Uh, so there are a lot of these changes happening through digitalization as well. Mm -hmm. So we do have to take a closer look at, you know, is the business etiquette changing? And we saw that 
enormously during the pandemic as we shifted online into our little boxes on the screen. You know, our, I call it, you know, netiquette, which is a word that's been around since the 80s, but we've reinvented our netiquette to, to fit this video conferencing, face to face through technology, new age that we're in. And we're, we're trying to manage that and learn about it and find the best ways to approach it. Mm, absolutely. And actually, that's an interesting point because communication as well, it's not just about words and language. It's not just about the verbal aspect. It's about your body language. It's about the actions that you take. It's about the overall culture in your workplace as well. That actually all has to do with communication. It's not, again, Mm -hmm. not just about the emails that you're writing. Um, And that, I think, was thrown into such chaos when the pandemic happened and we were all forced to be behind screens because you, everyone had to adjust to such a different way of communicating and I think there was also maybe more of a pressure to enhance communication, right? Because you couldn't, for example, just walk up to people and be like, hey, I want to get your ideas on this. You had to set a meeting with them and all this stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, what's your take on that and how the pandemic, you know, p- created these obstacles in workplace communication? Yeah, we've definitely seen a shift in how we're using our tools and technology and how we're connecting. You know, it's funny because we used to just pick up the phone and call people. And now we have to set up a Zoom meeting, send the link, get it in our digital calendars, you know, the whole nine yards. So in some ways, we formalized our communication uh, to a certain extent. Uh, But I think, you know, yeah, there's, there's just been a massive shift in so many different ways. And the way especially that we've become a little disconnected is through the body language bit. Uh, a lot of people, even in training or just weekly meetings, they go online, they don't turn on their camera, they're on mute, right? And and this was really the birth of, of my recent book, Unmuted. It came from this idea of every, you heard on every call, you're on mute, you're on mute, you're on mute. And it was just, you know, such a frustration for everyone of how do I actually connect online? How do I feel the energy? And a lot of people feel like they cannot create that connection. Mm-hmm. I do think it's possible with effort. Um, I mean, just sitting here talking to you, I, I feel like we're right next to each other. Mm-hmm. I feel really connected to you, you yeah. know? And we do have cameras on. Of course, mm-hmm. listeners don't know that, but we have cameras on. I can see you. I see you nodding, smiling. Um, and and so I do feel that connection and warmth. But that has a lot to do as well with our people skills, the way we communicate. We have um, very similar styles, I can tell, in the way that we are, give a lot of visual feedback and nodding. And uh, so it's easier when you connect with someone who is like you. Mm. In the workplace, we don't always find that. We find people who are very, very different, different culturally, different different linguistic backgrounds, different ages, uh, different preferences for their communication. Mm. You know, I personally still have not really grabbed onto voice messages, like the voice notes, Mm -hmm. but I have so many people uh, who I work with. Uh, I have a whole creative team of 20-somethings who all they do is voice notes. (laughs) And so I have to kind of, um, you know, get used to that and adapt as well. Mm -hmm. And that's all part of it. It's interesting that you bring that up because I also think that there is so many different kinds of ways we can get in touch with each other that it's sometimes really difficult to tell what form of communication to use. Uh, You know, for example, WhatsApp, which, you know, for some countries or some people, it's purely just uh, one-to-one communication. I use it as a work tool, right? Um, You know, and a lot of people in Asia use it as a work tool. You share documents on there. You know, you, like you said, you do voice notes and stuff like that. So I think it's really interesting how even the technology we use and how we use it is so different from 
job to job from company to company as well. And that is also another way of how communication has become so complicated uh, in today's day and age as well. And Mm -hmm. the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the whole turning your webcam off and and being on mute Mm -hmm. uh, issue, because this is a massive um, bugbear for a lot of people. You know, when leaders want to do like a town hall or in some Mm -hmm. sort of all hands meeting, and then they just see a a sea of blank screens and just names (laughs) and, uh, you know, no one's speaking up, right? A lot of this, I tend to find, places the onus and the responsibility on the employee. You know, clean up your workspace, make sure you've got a private area, make sure there's no distractions around you. Uh, You have to get camera ready in some cases, uh, you know. And I think that while there there is some merit in that advice, sometimes people are not in a situation where they can do that. And also, the question that I wanted to ask about this is, to what extent does the leader have to take responsibility for maybe why their employees are inclined towards being on mute and being unseeable? Yeah, that's a really, really great comment slash question. Um, I worked with a few companies as we went through the pandemic to design virtual netiquette guides. So virtual communication guides, basically, around what are the expectations for that particular team or regional team. You know, there were different levels of of size. Um, And it really does go both ways. Um, I think that leadership really does have to understand, and I think most do, that not everyone has a home office. You know, I'm sitting in my home office. I find my housing based on, do I have a home office? And that was pre-pandemic. So when we went into pandemic, I was set. I didn't have any problem. But not everyone is that privileged and lucky to have a nice office space at home. Um, And there were plenty of people still today who are not comfortable having people look into their living rooms. So one thing that we always ensured in our virtual guides was that the company did have properly branded and prepared virtual backgrounds for all employees, that they always had the option and they were preloaded into Teams or whatever platform they were using to make sure that employees had that option. We have to learn how to create the safe space in the online space, the same as we would do in the office. And that creates new challenges. And and leadership does have to walk the talk um, by setting expectations around what they want from their meetings and also realizing that cameras don't always have to be on. You know, they really don't. I am in the great minority of trainers and speakers who go online and I do not require people to turn cameras on because what happens when I share my screen, my slides go full screen, I become a little teeny box in the corner and everybody else disappears. They can't see each other, especially on Teams, for example. What is the point of them having their cameras on? What is the point? They can't see each other. Mm -hmm. The only person it serves is me, the speaker, And since when is it about me? (laughs) If you're a good speaker, trainer, leader, it is about your audience. And if the only reason you want them to have cameras on is so that you can see them and feel good about yourself and, and see them nodding their heads and giving you positive feedback, then you need to focus more on your message and how you are presenting. Um, and, and, but I know I'm in a great minority <laughs> in saying this, but the people who come to my training love me for it. Um, but then if we are having smaller discussions where we are 
face-to-face, then of course, turn on the camera, right? But let's be logical about what we're requiring of our teams uh, so that people can feel comfortable and they can show up in a way that, that makes sense for them. Mm. And that's fair to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's time to take a short break for some messages. But after that, I'll continue my conversation with Heather Hansen all about unmuting the workplace here on BFM 89.9. Begin Free Malaysia. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong and today on the line with me is Heather Hansen. She is a trainer, author and global communication consultant at the Global Speech Academy in Singapore. So before the break, we talked a little bit about what defines communication in the workplace as well as some of the challenges of communication, especially due to the pandemic. Now, one of the things that we touched upon before the break is this idea that while yes, of course, each individual is responsible to a certain extent for uh, improving communication in the workplace, a lot of it has to come from leaders walking the talk. And I wanted to ask a question about that effort and that culture. I think there's so much literature out there about individuals, uh, you know, you have to speak up when you feel that something is wrong or you have to take the initiative to bring this to your superior and have a discussion about how do we make this better? How do we make this process more effective? But when it comes to the other way around, there is literature on it, but I wanted to hear from you your thoughts on why these efforts, these, um, this improvement in communication and as a result, the change in work culture will only really be effective if it comes from the top first. The reason for that is because of the word you just said, which is culture. So if we want to initiate culture change, we really do need to start at the top and have leadership on board to create that culture change. Now, the way that I approach unmuted communication is if you think about a three-piece Venn diagram, we have conscious, confident, and connected communication. And these all overlap to create this unmuted culture and workplace. And the way that it works is if you have a very connected and very confident individual, so they have good relationships, they feel very safe in the environment, and they're very confident in their ideas, but they lack consciousness, they're going to be too loud. They're going to dominate discussions. They don't listen. Um, but if you have someone who is confident and conscious and does not feel connected, it's not a psychologically safe environment, it feels toxic, they will be on mute They are not ever going to speak up. As many times as you say, tell us your ideas, we want to know. And then the minute they speak up, you say, oh, well, that's a stupid idea. And why would you think that? And that's going to lead to failure. And why would we put our budget into that? Mm -hmm. Why would they ever speak up? They might have tried to speak up many, many times. And you've shot them down every single time thinking that your ideas are better. Well, pretty soon they're silent. And that silence is toxic. Mm -hmm. And that shows that you have a toxic environment. So in that situation there, there's nothing you can do unless the leadership steps in to create a safe environment. And then finally, we do have a final section where people could be conscious and connected, but they're lacking that self-confidence to speak up. And this is the one area where I would say it's up to the individual. If your leadership has done everything in their power to create a safe environment, they truly are listening. They want to hear your views. And you know that you have good relationships. You know people are supporting you. But the only thing holding you back 
from pressing unmute is that you feel your ideas aren't good enough, then that's a self-esteem issue. That's your self-worth. That's your confidence in your skills and yourself that's holding you back. And that's the one situation where I would say that is 100% the individual's obligation to speak up. Mm. Um, But in the other two situations, it's quite different. Mm. So it does go both directions, but in order to create a culture change, it really does need to start with the leadership embracing the idea that, yes, we want more dialogue. We want better ideas. We want to hear everyone's ideas because we know this will lead to greater innovation. We know it leads to greater inclusion and we can be a stronger company Mm. by doing this. Um, And without that step, it's very difficult to change things from the bottom up. Absolutely. And I think with all this conversation around how work culture is changing, how communication is changing, how our standards for what we need from our leaders in terms of clear uh, communication and transparency is is all changing. Um, I think there is also, unfortunately, there are leaders and companies who are saying that on face value or on paper and saying, hey, we want to hear from you or we're going to be super transparent from now on. And I think from what I gather from what you're saying, if there's no follow through, that's still not Mm -hmm. being clear. That's not good communication. A really good example of what's been happening right now. And I've heard this from multiple companies. Leadership sends out the survey. Who wants to work from home? What is your ideal work from home situation? How many days would you like to be working from home? And the leadership's already made up their mind. Mm. They're just going to send out the survey for, you know, on face value to say, oh, look, it, we are listening to our people. We are considering your needs. But actually, we've already made our decision and we're going to call you into the office next week. Right. Mm. Um, and this is happening in a number of companies right now all over Southeast Asia as we begin to open up again. And it's obvious. People know what's happening. And the immediate reaction is, why did you bother asking? Mm -hmm. Why are you pretending like you care? We know you don't care. And this is a perfect example of, you know, making sure that if you are going to embrace an unmuted culture, that you really do walk the talk, that you really want this and you're ready to listen. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to people who, there is a certain subsect of people I would say that are treating the pandemic and the way that it has impacted our thoughts on communication as a blip that they just want to go back to quote-unquote normal they want to go back to the way that it was because it was already working why fix what's broken uh you know the way that we were operating before was totally fine we had no problems whatsoever or you know the people who don't seem to even realize that maybe they're alienating their employees um you know with this i guess lack of empathy Um, What would you say to those people in terms of how improving your communication and taking a look at your work culture can actually benefit the company in terms of like numbers? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good observation, Christine, like very good observation. Um, The world has completely changed. We can fight it and we can try to go back to before. There's no going back at this stage. And I would argue that, you know, what got us here is ready to push us off a cliff. I mean, look at the world around us. It's falling apart in just about every area of the world from health to um, wars, to the environment, to financial crises, to you name it, we've got issues. So it is time for new ideas. It is time for new voices. We have to start changing the way that we're working. And companies that are unwilling to change, who are stuck in 
pre-pandemic times who want to turn back the clock, they are not going to move forward. They will not succeed. And I mean, I'll put that out there right now very clearly. It is not going to work. Leaders who are not willing to begin showing more empathy, more vulnerability, um, changing the feeling of the culture in the organization, it will not work. Mm -hmm. You will not have new innovation. You will not see inclusion. This does impact the bottom line 100% because we know that inclusive environments are more innovative. We know that when we listen to every idea in the room, we come up with better ideas and we move the company forward faster. So this 100% is going to impact how you move your company forward. Mm -hmm. And we have to start embracing that change. If the pandemic taught us anything, it's that change is our new constant and we have to be adaptable to Mm -hmm. that and find the new opportunities in that chaos that so many of us feel we don't have control over. Mm. I think at the heart of it all, the way that a leader communicates is going to shape their employees as a result. You know, if you are the kind of leader that just wants to do things your way, if you just want to go back to normal, you're going to end up cultivating a culture of people who are on mute. They're not going Mm -hmm. to respond to you. They're not going to come up with ideas. They're going to do absolutely the bare minimum. But if you foster a culture where you are genuinely ready to communicate even if that's not what you want to hear um i think that's another really important element of that where you have to sometimes be prepared to hear stuff you don't want to hear um then i think that leads to that conversation actually impacting your company positively and at the heart of it all your company is your employees right and -hmm. if your employees aren't happy and they're in a position where they can leave they will leave for they a company will that will We've treat them that. as human beings. Mm-hmm. And they'll take their friends with them. Mm. And that's also really important to understand. Uh, one thing that I do talk about in the book is how to uh, work with the data in the company to map social networks. And that's also really important. And it's something that a lot of companies aren't doing. They map their diversity numbers of, Mm. you know, male and female and ethnicities and languages, but they don't look at how people are connected. And there's one leading company out of Denmark called Innovisor that has come up with the 3% rule where they know that 3% of employees in the business are impacting up to 90%. If you lose one of those individuals, one of these internal influencers, there's a 500% larger chance that their friends and first connections are going to leave within six months. So this is amazing research. If you really start to measure the right things in the company and focus on your people and the way you're communicating and connecting, it can completely change uh, the future of the business. Amazing. That's about all the time we have for today's conversation. Thank you so much, Heather, for joining me to talk all about unmuting the workplace today. Thanks so much, Christine. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. I've been speaking to Heather Hansen, trainer, author, and global communication consultant at the Global Speech Academy today. If you've missed any of our conversation, you can go ahead and download our app. That's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also head over to bfm.my to listen to and download the podcast. This is BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.